Wow. Hey, before you're seated, before you're seated, it's, it's been a season. It's been a millennial minute since we saw each other, uh, right before COVID. And uh, here we are, before you're seated. I just, and again, it's not like hype rhetoric. It's just not part of the polity. And every single time, even it, it took place in the green room. I was talking to Pastor Robert about a, a very critical, we find ourselves about to cross the proverbial Rubicon with our church ministry with things that God is just opening up. And again, just in a nice, beautiful, nuanced way, just seeing the Holy Spirit operate through him and saying, Sammy, this is what the Lord says. Boom. Y'all need to help me recognize the best pastor on the planet, Pastor Robert Morris. Love you. Love you. Wow. That's my pastor. And as you stay standing, you'll be seated for a few minutes. As you stay standing, I want to honor 10 years ago, 10 years ago, 2013, we had this moment, the iconic, legendary ministry of James and Betty. We all know it. They invited Sam Rodriguez to come in and speak. And I was here, this stage, speaking, wrapped up preaching, turned around, James comes up. No joke, it wasn't scripted. Some of y'all saw it on YouTube, some of you were here. And he says, Sammy, drop down. Get on the floor. I'm thinking, there's a bomb. <laughs> like, you know, like, what? So we, I drop on the floor, the next thing, James drops right next, and some of y'all have seen this on YouTube, and he starts praying over me and transferring over a mantle. Can you help me recognize James and Betty who are spiritual? Parents to Samuel Rodriguez, simply the best, the legend. You may be seated, you may be seated. I want to expedite the process, but, but I want to go there 37 minutes, 27 seconds, counting down, let's go. And oh, oh, I, I, I mentioned this to Pastor Robert, you already know me, because I, and, and I, I've had some coffee today and all that, so y'all know how it's going to go, but Listen, I was telling Pastor Robert, I don't know how y'all did it. Y'all attracted the most, no joke, no hype, no exaggeration. The most prominent Hispanic worship leaders all go to one church, Gateway. <sighs> so to, just a shout out to all my Latino brothers out there, brothers and sisters. And to Miel San Marcos, to Daniel Carvetti, to Christine De Clario, Jacobo Ramos, Armando Sanchez, Julissa. Macarena, just give it up for them because they're awesome. Yes, it's awesome. They are the best. John chapter 9. Here's my assignment. John chapter 9. This is what the Spirit of God placed in my heart. First conference. I'm going to skip some verses here. Work with me. John chapter 9. Reading primarily from the New Living Translation. As Jesus was walking, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Verse six, by the way, they just, if you saw Fox News, they just rediscovered and are committed to opening up this pool in Jerusalem this very season. Verse six, then he spit 
on the ground, which is messy. He made mud with the saliva. That's even messier and awkward. (laughs) And spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He spread the mess. Verse 7, he told them, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam, which means set. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. I want to speak to you on the subject matter, your mess, God's miracle. Messy miracles, the process is temporary, the promise is permanent. Open your eyes to the new. Just repeat after me, your mess, God's miracle. And actually, if you're inclined to say, my mess, God's miracle. So let me confess something. I am a bit OCD. My wife will attest to that. My mind works in a very linear, sequential manner. For all the Trekkies out there, I may preach like Captain Kirk, but I process like Spock. (laughs) So I I find it to be a bit challenging to reconcile what I perceive within this biblical narrative as chaos with order. In other words, how can a miracle emerge out of a mess? This biblical narrative speaks to me because I have in the past few years lived it, and you'll hear about that in a minute. Permit me to begin by encouraging you to do the following, this first conference as we kick off this year. Number one, open your eyes to what you have never seen before. Open your eyes to what you have never seen before. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. This man was not losing his sight. This man did not lose his sight. He never had it in the first place. He was born blind. This circumstance facilitates the environment for Christ to reveal a functional and ontological extension of the creative nature of providence. In other words, with the woman with the issue of blood, he gave her back her health. With the invalid man at Bethesda, he gave him back his walk. With Lazarus, he gave him back his life. But with this man in John chapter 9, Jesus did not give him something he lost. Jesus gave him something he never had in the first place. There is a difference between God restoring something you had and God giving you something you never had in the first place. Our God is not just the God that restores. Our God is the God that gives us what we never had before. He is, after all, the Lord of the new thing. Isaiah 43, 19, behold, I do a new thing. Do you not see it? Some of us allocate, focus our time in attempting to get back what we lost when we should be asking God to give us what we never had in the first place. God is not interested in renovating your past. He is more interested in releasing your future. Hence, The question we have to ask ourselves in our families, in our faith, in our generation, in our nation, are we ready to see what we have never seen before? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and other terms that are politically incorrect in California. (laughs) True story. We cannot deny That in the past three years in America and around the world, unfortunately, we have seen what we have never seen before. We saw the effects of a global pandemic that killed millions. We saw the ruins of racial and social unrest, destroying properties, families, dividing communities, and fragmenting the church. 
We saw the damage of political discord where the donkey and the elephant temporarily succeeded in dividing what belongs to the lamb. Hmm. We witness and continue to bear witness to a cancel woke culture that insists in silencing everyone and everything that refuses to toe the line of a morally relativistic ideological worldview that runs counter to the word and spirit of God. Hmm. We saw, and this really irks me, we saw and continue to see a generation targeted by the architects of darkness with the message that there is no such thing as truth, as gender, as holiness, and personal responsibility. And I may get in trouble right here, but there it is. Can I just say something to every force, to every architect of darkness coming after our kids? Get your hands off our children in the name of Jesus. Get your hands off our children. Let a church rise up that has the audacity, the wherewithal, the anointing, the courage, the biblical substance to say, get your hands off our children. We saw the mess for the past few years. All we've seen is the mess. Turn on CNN, MSNBC, ABC, NBC, CBS, Mundo. <laughs> and you will see the mess. But what if I tell you that in your family, in your faith, in your generation, even in our nation, I know it's, it's not wishful thinking, it's not prophetic spaghetti on the wall, it's biblically substantiated. What if I, what if I tell you we are about to see the mess become a miracle? Can we begin this year at Gateway Church at the first conference declaring the following, the mess is about to become a miracle. If you really believe it, can you pick on one neighbor and just tell them the mess is about to become a miracle. Tell the other one, the one that's ignoring you, tell them that. <laughs> tell them the mess is about to become a miracle. Just like John chapter 9, in all aspects of your life, in your children and your children's children, we need to get ready to see what we have never seen before. The mess is about to become a miracle. John eleven forty. did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? 1 Corinthians 2, 9, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, or the heart of man imagined is what God has prepared for those who love him. What, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're about to see what we've never seen before. I know, I know it sounds, that's wishful thinking, Sammy. No, it isn't. I don't, don't drink the Kool-Aid, folks. We're about to see more people come to Jesus as Lord and Savior than ever before in human history. How many truly believe that? We are about to see our prodigal sons and daughters come back home. We are, we are about to see Christ-centered, Bible-based, spirit-empowered social architects and cultural reformers rise up and literally change the world. We are about to see the glory of God fill the earth. As I live, all of the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Numbers 14, 21, the earth will be filled. Not maybe, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Habakkuk 2, 14, I want to make this clear. I don't think, I don't hope, 
I don't wish and I don't feel. I know that God's about to show up. I know it. I know it because of Luke 137, the word of God never fails. Hebrews 10:23. God can be trusted to keep his promise. And the pushback is what? Oh, Sammy, you're in denial that we're living in the last days. <laughs> Stop going. How dare you all preach at Gateway and tell everyone that we're about to see God's glory show up and that people are going to get saved and that generations will be set free. Sammy, you're denying that we're living in the last days. Haven't you read it? And it's usually, Sammy, haven't you? Oh, glory be to God. Haven't you read it? I'm fully cognizant of the exhaustive list the Apostle Paul laid out in 2 Timothy chapter 3 regarding the last days. I'm aware of the gospel in Matthew 24 as it pertains to the last days. I'm not in denial. In the last days, men and women will become lovers of themselves. We call that narcissism. Or in many occasions, Instagram. <laughs> in the last days, men and women will deviate from their natural desires. We call that California. <laughs> There is a last day promise. I kid you not that prompted me to get on a plane and be here today. <laughs> There's one more last day promise. It is so substantial that it appears in both the old and the new. Joe 2.28 reiterated in Acts 2.17. <laughs> in the last days, in the last days, not I may, not I probably will. It says I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Which means what? The next thing to fill America will not be COVID 20, 21, or 22. The next thing to fill America and the nations will be the glory of the risen Christ Jesus. Your family mess is about to become God's miracle. I'll repeat that for the hearing impaired. Your family mess is about to become God's miracle. Your mental mess is about to become God's miracle. Your financial mess is about to become God's miracle. This is for someone here. Your health streaming right now. Your health mess is about to become God's miracle. Your generational mess is about to become God's miracle. And I know it's counterintuitive to what we're reading. America's mess is about to become God's miracle. Which means what? Get ready. Instead of riots, revival. Instead of lockdowns, open heavens. Instead of strife, unity. Instead of hatred, love. Instead of relativism, truth. Instead of destroying property, building altars. Instead of confrontation, conversations. Instead of political affiliation, prophetic designation. Instead of storming the capital, we're about to storm the gates of hell in the name of Jesus and take back. And instead of many under fear, one nation under God. If you believe it, give God your best praise you've given him in 20, 23. Praise him like you know that God's about to show up and show off his glory. Hey, get ready. Matter of fact, if you really believe it, raise your right hand. It's the beginning of the year. Let's just do it. Raise your right hand. Repeat after me. In my family, in my faith, in my finances, in my relationships, in my church, 
in my community, in my thinking, in my actions, in my words, in my health, in my surroundings, in my generation, in my nation. I'm about to see the glory of Jesus like I have never, ever seen before. Somebody seal it with a praise right now. Number two, are there any questions? <laughs> Number two, numero dos, open your eyes to God's spirit. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud. I, I invited two of my team members to come and join me. I'm going to illustrate this briefly. And so we have to illustrate this because this is part of the contract. So um, can you two come up here real quick here? Thank you, gentlemen. Wonderful. Amazing. Here it is. Give it up for Armando and for George. Flip a coin. Who wants to get the mud on them? Here it is. You're courageous. Wonderful. All right, George. Uh, you're Jesus, which will surprise your wife. And, and you're the blind man. And we'll leave it there. It, now, what a process. It, it, we're going to illustrate it in a second here. What an unorthodox method to facilitate a miracle. What a process. I mean, just who does that? Just mud, spit, saliva, what? Sometimes the process seems to be messy. And sometimes the process is complicated, but here it is. The God of the outcome is the same God of the process. I'll repeat that. The God of the outcome is the same God of the process. The process is temporary, but the promise is permanent. Do not make the temporary permanent. Do not make the process to promise. In other words, do not confuse what you're going through with where you're going to. Uh, here it is. A couple of elements. First, he spits. We won't do that. <laughs> he spits. So he spits. And he spits, which is, I mean, why the spit? He was born blind. Why the spit? What's in your spit? I want to hear you. What's in your spit? We just did a sociological study right now, a case study with Gateway. You heard half the people go, germs, bacteria. The other half, the very positive, optimistic, glass half-filled, DNA. In the spit, literally speaking, when he spit, the DNA of Jesus stood embedded in the spit. I, you're going to get this in a second. This is not like, is that figuratively speaking? Is that a metaphor? No, literally speaking, DNA, in other words, Jesus literally took his DNA, his DNA, mixed it up with the dirt, made mud, and placed it on the man's eyes. He transferred his DNA. In other words, with your DNA, you can't see, but with my DNA, you're about to see my glory. With your DNA, you are a victim. With my DNA, you are more than a conqueror. With your DNA, you have trauma. With my DNA, you have a testimony. With your DNA, you are limited. With my DNA, you can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. With your DNA, you will make excuses. With my DNA, you will make history. 2,000 years ago, Jesus died, resurrected, ascended, and he transferred not his spittle. He gave us something, but it wasn't his spit. He gave us his spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the Spirit of God. 
we have the Holy Spirit. Jesus transferred the Holy Spirit. With the spittle of Jesus, this man saw what he never saw before. Imagine what we are about to see with the Spirit of God inside of us. I want you to know 2023 will not be defined by the spirit of depression, anxiety, fear, confusion, addiction, bondage, trauma, the past. 2023 will be defined for you and your family by the Spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit. And I want to remind you the Holy Spirit is not an app. Stop swiping. The Holy Spirit is not a denomination, a network, an emotion, an experience, a moment, not even a conference or an ideology. The Holy Spirit is the most powerful person and force on planet Earth today. And where that Spirit is present, there is power, Acts 1.8. There is freedom, 2 Corinthians 3.17. We are to be driven by the Spirit, not by the flesh, Galatians 5.16. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do not be drunk with wine, Ephesians 5.18. You have received the anointing who is the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you, 1 John 2.27. And we are defined by the Holy Spirit, Romans 8.11. The same identical spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. <laughs> Nothing can stop that spirit. I, I need to make something before we, we wrap up here. <sighs> you can't stop that spirit from moving. You really can't. I, I don't want Pastor Robert help me. Give me some grace. Don't want to get in trouble. I asked your permission. So we're going to release the holy krakens. Um, here we go. <laughs> Not getting, God knows, no political implication whatsoever. I'm just telling you what took place. I haven't been here since before COVID. During COVID in California, y'all live in a free state, I don't. Do, do, during, during COVID, this really happened. Do your Google due diligence. Make sure I'm not making this up or hyping it up. During COVID, of course, uh, everything was locked down and churches, non-essential. We couldn't meet all of that, right? Y'all know what happened already in California. So everything was locked down. You couldn't meet. You couldn't gather. But then the, the, the leadership of California, which is code word for the governor, the, the leadership, and I didn't mention any names. Matter of fact, bless your heart. <laughs> the leadership, the governor of California, whose name I have not mentioned, he, he, he Googled this. He issued the following executive decree. You are not allowed to, in your home, in your home, have any expression of worship, praise, singing, gatherings, prayers, or chanting. It's the chanting part that killed the Rodriguez's. Because <laughs> we wake up every morning, we go, ah. But he actually signed an executive order telling me that I, with my family, cannot sing, praise, worship in my home. Never before in American history did we have government tell us that we can't worship in our own homes. In our home. In our... Cameraman? Give me a tight shot. I want to make this clear. There's not an executive order 
a Supreme Court decision, a legislative initiative, a law, or a social media campaign that will ever have the power to stop the Holy Spirit from moving. You can't stop the Spirit of God from moving. Government can't stop them. Social media can't stop them. There's not a devil in hell, a demon on earth, or a man or a woman that will ever have the power to stop the Spirit of God from moving. For it is not by might nor by power, but by might. Somebody shout like you know the Holy Spirit is still moving in America. Ah, raise your right hand, repeat after me. As I begin this year, I prayerfully declare that my life, my house, my family will be filled, defined, and sustained with and by the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name. Open your eyes, point three, to God's original design. He doesn't just spit. He spits on the ground and makes clay. Now, why would you, why would, let's just do me a favor. Let's just take this and just do your thing. Ooh, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see all obstacles in my way. You got that? Beautiful. Oh, stop being so meticulous, man. Just spread it. <laughs> you think Jesus went, is that comfortable for you? <laughs> Looks like Nightwing. That's just great. He, in the beginning, why did he spit? What did God make man out of? Genesis 2-7. God is going to the beginning. I would submit to you that God is returning to the original architectural design of man and humanity in order to align the original with the now. He went back to the original plan. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart, Jeremiah 1.5. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Psalm 139.13. Jeremiah 29.11. For I know the plans I have for you. You were born according to the model of the second Adam, not the first Adam. Born again, 1 Corinthians 15, 45. What does that mean? God has a plan for you. God has a plan for your children. God has a plan for your children's children. God has a plan for your now and your next. And in God's original plan, you are not blind. You are not an addict. You are not an alcoholic. You are not broken. You are not full of anxiety. You are not detailed. You are not cursed. I'm going to get in trouble again. In God's original plan, there is no such thing as a black church or a white church or a brown church or a yellow church. There's only one church, the church of Jesus Christ. And that's the plan where the gates of hell will never, ever prevail against that church. You have to give Jesus access to your dirt. Let me repeat that. You have to give Jesus access to your dirt before he grants you access to your destiny. In God's original plan, you are blessed because Jesus came to save, deliver, heal you, and reactivate his original plan for you. 
You are not where you are. You are not how you are. You are not what others did to you. You are not what you did to yourself. You are who God says you are. You are what God says you are. It's not about where you are in life. It's about who you are in Christ. And when you know who you are in Christ, you will never be held back by where you are in life. Your identity in Christ will bring an end to your captivity in life. Today is that day. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2.10, everything God has planned will come to pass. Your children will not inherit your sins. Your children will inherit your blessings. <laughs> Philippians 1.6, 1 Thessalonians 5.24. He spread the mess. And then this man, he sends him, I like this. And he tells him, go ahead, walk. By the way, he tells him, walk, wash yourself. There's nothing in scripture that says that Jesus did this. Watch this. Here, sunshine, I'll escort you. <laughs> oh, the entitlement mentality, right? The man already has Jesus' DNA. Hey, buddy, you have everything you need to experience your breakthrough. Now you walk and wash yourself. There are things you have to do yourself. Sometimes we have to walk with our mess. Oh, open your eyes to a holy mess. God will blind you now in order to open your eyes to the next. Take your eyes off today's problems and open your eyes to tomorrow's promises. This blind man engaged in what can be described as a double blind study. <laughs> I'm here all week. <laughs> sometimes you have to go through to get to, sometimes you have to walk with your mess in order to get to your miracle. Jesus, Jesus embodied that when he went through the cross and the empty tomb so you and I can get to this place right here, right now. Joseph went through the pit to get to the palace. The Israelites went to the desert to get to the promised land. The Hebrew boys went to the fiery furnace to get their promotion. Paul went to the storm to get to Rome. Sometimes you have to walk with the mess. Romans 8.28, he makes all things work together for the good of those who love him. You have to walk with that mess. And there's a battle that very moment really captures a battle. There is a battle. And the battle is between your mind and your mantle. The battle is between the thoughts in your head and the calling upon your life. The battle is between anxiety and anointing. The battle is between your memories and your imagination. The battle is between the hell in your past and the hope for your future. But how many here know the battle has already been won? 1 Corinthians 15, 57, Christ is our victory. When your integrity is more important, you need to learn to walk because you know if he placed something upon you, in you, regardless of how it looks right now, the moment you are washed, you will see what you have never seen before. When your integrity is more important than your influence, nothing can stop you. I will repeat that. When your integrity is more important than your influence, nothing can stop you. When you are driven by anointing rather than ambition, nothing can stop you. When your hunger for righteousness is greater than your fear of criticism, nothing can stop you. And when your praise speaks louder than your pain, nothing can stop you. I lived this. I was right here. 
I lived it during COVID. It was July of 2020. At that time, Pastor Robert, we were, I was part of the Heritage Foundation Commission. I was appointed, I was the only faith leader in that commission in, in conjunction with the White House of President Trump. I was appointed as part of the National Coronavirus Recovery Commission. So all the doctors you saw on television, we were on Zoom calls constantly and so forth, writing, drafting policies for the White House regarding COVID. And it's July of 2020, and all of a sudden, my daughter, who just gave birth to Mila, my granddaughter, my daughter Evie, my eldest, she has this thing, never requiring medication. Her white blood cells are always a little bit low in the threes, in the low threes. And all of a sudden, when she gave birth to Mila, they, they, the, the white blood cell count went down even more. COVID hit her right at that same precise moment. She's a millennial. She shouldn't be in this circumstance. I have the data in front of me, and I'm speaking to a doctor. July, I'm in California. We're locked down. And the doctor says, Mr. Rodriguez, if your daughter doesn't fight, my daughter is now in the hospital on a ventilator in ICU. And I'm talking to a doctor and I'm saying, I'm reading the data. Millennials don't die from this. Generation Z. And the doctor says, yeah, but your daughter had a pre-existing condition. Her immune system was not there. So I go, what do you mean? So what do you mean? She's out in two days, three days, a week. The doctor says, Mr. Rodriguez, if your daughter doesn't fight. And I went, if my daughter doesn't fight? Mr. Rodriguez, if your daughter doesn't fight, she's not going to make it. I lost it. I mean, I lost it. I got in, I got in my Jeep Wrangler in Granite Bay, California. I put on my sunglasses, put on my cap. I was on my way to just the narrative, two story. With the details, I'm on my way to Starbucks. I'm done. So when you're done, you go to Starbucks. <laughs> so I'm on my way, and I lost it. Man, I wish I can tell you, man, I had every vestige of faith in me. I started to declare the promises of, I lost it. It's my baby. So I'm driving down. And I'm broken. And I go, God, I've seen too much of your glory. I don't doubt you for one minute, one second. Even whatever the outcome, I will not, I can't. My, my mathematical mind, my science mind, my faith won't permit me to doubt you. I've seen too much. I've seen you. I go, but give me a little something, something now. I, and this is the words, these are the words that came out of my mouth. I had to walk with my mess. But I, when, when Evie was growing up, God gave her so many words, so many words. She was having camps and gathering her generation in great encounters with Jesus, just so many words about her destiny. So I, I said, hey, God, can you do something for me right now? You don't have to, but I would love you to. Can you invade California? We couldn't see her. Her husband couldn't see her. No one could see her, right? The most restrictive, unbelievable, July 2020. We couldn't even get close to the hospital, which is amazing. I went, Lord, here's what I'm asking you. Send a contingency from heaven. Can you send angels right now to invade her room? These are the words, angels. And this is, so I have great empathy for those that had a different outcome. We know in eternity we're all going to be together. But I can't deny my miracle. I lived it, nicely verified with text messages, beautiful. 
This is it. My daughter doesn't know I'm praying, that I'm crying, that I'm broken, that I'm in a Jeep Wrangler on my way to Starbucks. Nothing. She's an ICU. She's aiming towards the other side. Spoke to the doctor, said things are worse now. Prepare yourselves. She's aiming towards eternity. I'm driving. I make the prayer. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, my daughter, even though she's in ICU about to die, she has her iPhone because that's how millennials do it. I get this text from my daughter who has no idea where I'm at and what I'm doing. Um, here's the text. I just pray. And here's the subsequent text from my daughter. Dad, comma, I promise you it's not the meds, period. I promise you I'm not going crazy, period. You're not going to believe this, period. Dad, comma, angels just showed up in my room. Hey, gateway, there is still power in the name of Jesus. Hey, gateway, there is still power in the name of Christ. I'm here to tell you that the mess will become a miracle, even in your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. Your mess will become God's miracle. Stand with me. You are standing. That moment, it can be mathematical probability for her to use the word angel. She never said, she never said God. She never said heaven. She said angels verbatim. I knew God showed up the next day. I spoke to the doctor and the doctor said, Mr. Rodriguez, I can't explain it, but there has been a complete turnaround. 48 hours later, she came out. My daughter's perfectly healthy. Mila's perfectly healthy. My daughter's exhibiting the glory of Jesus like never before and being light in the midst of darkness for her generation in the state of California and the best is yet to come. The mess became a miracle. Lift up your hands. What does this mean for you and I? Your family may look like a mess, but it's actually a miracle with mud on it. It just needs to be washed off. Your mess will become God's miracle. Your mess will become God's miracle. Go wash yourself. So come up here, Armando. With your hands raised, all of us, wash yourself. Armando, when you do this, I'm going to put your hand here. Here's what I'm believing. As you do this, Gateway, America, we're about to open our eyes and we're going to see the glory of Jesus in us, with us, for us, and through us like never before. We are about to see the glory of God fill this nation. We are about to see the glory of Christ in an entire generation. So as he washes himself right here, I need you to raise your hands and believe that every single mess, even when you go back home, even in, the, in your loved ones, you're about to see the mess become a miracle. If you come in agreement, lift up your hands, go wash yourself. Go ahead, Armando, do it now. As he's washing himself, somebody open up your mouth and pray right now and just say, my mess becomes a miracle. My mess becomes a miracle. Oh, Job 42.5, before I heard, now my eyes see. Get ready to see God detox your relationships, sanitize your surroundings, and vaccinate your future. 
I see a nation embraced by the Father, redeemed by the Son, and primed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I see a people at the brink of revival. I see young men and women leading an awakening where righteousness and justice inundate every sphere of society. I see God's children getting ready for the coming of the Lord. I don't see failures, I see victory. I don't see victims, I see conquerors. I don't see Pharaoh, Goliath, Jezebel, and Herod. I see 21st century Elijahs and Elijahs and Deborahs and Joshuas and Peters and Pauls. I see young men and women prophesying, emerging generation having visions. I see the name of Jesus lifted high. So get, well, get ready to see the love of God, the truth of God, the grace of God, the power of God, and the glory of God like you've never seen before. Because the mess will become a miracle. If you believe it, give them the best praise you've given God in 2023. If you receive this, raise one hand. If you believe every single mess will become God's miracle, raise both hands. In your family, your home, your marriage, your calling, your mind, your surroundings, your loved ones, the mess, your mess, is God's miracle. The process is temporary. The promise is permanent. May the strength of the Father, the grace of the Son, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit make this year the best year of your life. Hey, Gateway, let's do one thing together. Are you ready? In Jesus' name, let's go change the world. God bless you and God keep you.